Amen. Well, it's good to be in the house of the Lord today. Thank you, praise team and choir, for leading us in worship today. It's great to be here at First Baptist Church in China Grove. Not a short, little short drive for me this morning. I'm preaching all over the both North and South Carolina, so I enjoy sleeping in my own bed this morning and getting up and having about a 45-minute drive up from the Indian Trail area. That's where our uh, main office is for Christian Adoption Services, and it's great get to know your pastor, thankful for him and his ministry here. It's great to see the Toller family, who I've known a, a good while um, from our days at a previous church about 10 years ago where I served as associate pastor, and, and so I just want to thank you in advance for what you're doing in giving uh, toward River Hill Refuge, and man, you're, you're moving quite along there, October 2nd. Y'all may hit it before you even get to the October 2nd, who knows? Um, but man, God's doing a great work. Uh, my good friend Jay Westmoreland, I heard he came and was able to share with you uh, some time ago on a Sunday night and uh, just kind of share what God's doing through River Hill Refuge down in Shelby. A quick update on that project. Uh, we're looking, at, you know, ground's been broken and, and construction's beginning. We're hoping to uh, open that home by Christmas of next year. So there's a lot of work involved in all that. You know it's going to be three homes Two of them should be ready by, by that time next year, and the third one uh, by early 2024. And of course, we're praying for the house parents that God's going to lead to come and to, to live in those homes. And of course, the kids can be somewhere, depending on how many kids the parents actually have, um, and biologically or adopted in their life, they'll be able to have six to eight children um, in, the, in each of those homes. So thank you in advance for your prayers and support of that project. God's doing a great work across the whole state. Um, through the ministries of Baptist Children's Homes of North Carolina and Christian Adoption Services. And a quick update on that. We are, you know, it's been neat. I came, um, I've been a part of this ministry six and a half years, and about two years, really really pre-pandemic, 2019, uh, BCH approached us about partnering with them on the side of the fostering, and fostering to adopt and caring for the children, the group homes here across the state, of North Carolina, and we're like, sign us up, because we already did domestic adoption, which is typically baby from the hospital, working with the mom as she's pregnant, and then international adoption as well. Um, but adding that foster component has been a big deal for us. And then in 2020, right in the middle of the pandemic, we were like, man, this is going so great. What about if we uh, stopped dating and got married? You know what I'm saying? And so we, uh, we're merging. Uh, we're not just a partner or it's actually concluding, hopefully, the end of this year. It's been a long process because of all the adoption licenses and all that have to take place with that with BCH. But by the end of the year, we will be fully merged as a ministry, Christian Adoption Services, a ministry of Baptist Children's Homes of North Carolina. So I'm excited about that, and I think that's going to really bless CAS on, all, on the side of what we do when it, when it comes to caring for moms um, and expanding that. Um, in North Carolina and caring for those moms to a very high level. And then, of course, I think we're going to see increased adoptions um, as a result, again, of this incredible relationship. BCH has been around since 1885. Long time. Long time. Making a lot of impact. But I believe we have a great history, but I believe our best days are ahead of us as we continue to stand on God's Word and make a difference in these children's lives who have great need, great need, and they need the love of Jesus. We just don't want to put them in a home. We want to put them in a two-parent Christian home they're going to be exposed to the gospel and hopefully come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And so exciting times in the life of Baptist Children's Homes. And I just want to thank you again for just uh, 
your, your sacrifice and your giving to support these wonderful ministries that are making a difference in the days to come. And when, this, uh, when we have this big dedication, I hope many of you will be able to come down to Shelby and see uh, you know, when, when we, we actually move into these homes and dedicate them there. They've already had a groundbreaking uh, several months ago but when we launched these. Another exciting ministry that we're excited about going the other way toward Thomasville is we're launching a home that should be ready by the end of this year for moms to live in called the Emmanuel Home. And we're super excited about this. This is a, uh, we're renovating a home that's right beside the campus um, in Thomasville, the Mills Home, that uh, four or five moms are going to be able to live in this home after they place and help them get back on their feet. And we found that about 25 to 30% of the moms that we care for in an average year, they could use this type of home. So we're excited. We should be launching that by the end of this year, first of next year. And again, just making impact and pouring you know, the gospel into to all the folks that we can. And these moms, a lot of them are in very difficult situations. And we're going to help them go to college and help them with just life skills. And we're, going to, we're actually interviewing workers right now that are going to live in that home on the bottom floor, and then the ladies are going to live up top. So again, a lot of activity, north and south, west, all, all over the place, um, but thankful for what you guys are doing and supporting this incredible ministry. And so I'm excited to share with you today uh, a wonderful passage. Many of you, if you've been to church for a little while, you'll probably have read this, this scripture. But I want to talk about adoption today and the power of adoption. If you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 2, 1 through 10. And what we're going to find here, some of you will be very familiar with this story of Moses and the environment that Moses was born into. And, and really, as we, as we unpack these first uh, these 10 verses, we're going to come to really understand, I never thought about this before until the Lord brought me to this wonderful ministry six and a half years ago, and that what we're seeing here and reading is the very first adoption recorded in human history, the story of Moses, the baby Moses being adopted by the Egyptian princess. Pretty powerful thing as we think about there. But let me give you a little recap, because Moses is born into a very difficult situation. If you read Exodus chapter 1, encourage you to go back and look at that, you see that the Pharaoh had put in a, a law to kill all male children under the age of two. Very despicable law. And really what led up to that, if you go back and we do a, a one-minute, two-minute uh, recap of, of, of Genesis starting with Jacob and the 12, the 12 sons that ultimately became the 12 tribes of Israel. Y'all remember the story of Joseph being sold um, into slavery. There's a lot of jealousy there. And then um, he was, thank goodness they didn't kill him. And then, they, um, then he was sold into slavery and then went into Potiphar's house, accused falsely of adultery, thrown into, that, into jail there, and then met some interesting characters there and interpreted some dreams. Pharaoh had a dream. Uh, the baker remembered that, brought him out you know, to, to interpret the dream he did. And you remember the dream was seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. Well, so the, uh, the Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of that, and he did for seven years, stored away grain. And then, of course, exactly as, as God uh, predicted and said what happened, the seven years of famine came, and not only did it affect Egypt, but it affected the whole region, what affected Joseph's family, right? And so that began an interesting process. It's really interesting to go read that in Genesis, but the restoration process with Joseph and his family. But ultimately, Joseph provided protection for his family as, the, as they moved the nation of, of Israel, which was very small at the time, moved to Egypt. Now, when we get to this text, a couple hundred years have passed and the nation of Israel has grown a lot. And so the current Pharaoh, you know, Joseph's long gone, the favorable Pharaoh was long gone. And so we, we pick up here that the, the Israelites had grown to a large group of people and this current Pharaoh viewed them as a threat. 
So he put this, this despicable law into place, and that's the environment that baby Moses is born into. So let's read this text together, Exodus chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 10, and then I'm going to share three truths with you today as we think about this theme, the power of adoption. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 2, a man of the house of Levi went and took his wife, a daughter of Levi, so the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she, hit, when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Verse 5, Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe the river, and her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses, saying, Because I drew him out of the water. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. Three truths I want to share with you today as we think about this theme of the power of adoption. In verses 1 through 3, we see the, the first truth, the power of sacrifice. The power of sacrifice. When you go back and look at verses 1 through 3, we see that Moses' parents were put in a very difficult situation, were they not? They realized what the Bible tells us. They hid him, knowing the law that was in place. And after three months, they realized they couldn't hide him anymore. And if he were to be found, what would happen to him? He would have been killed. And so they, they decided that, that to give this child an opportunity for life, to give him hope, and just a, 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 a glimmer of hope, they came up with this plan and put that little baby boy, in verse 3 it says, in the ark and, and daubed it with asphalt and pitch and put the child in it and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. Wow. Man, that had to be tough. Those of us who are parents, man, can you imagine that situation thinking about putting a three-month-old innocent little baby and pushing that, pushing that little ark down that river. Wow, that had to be difficult. You know, I think about the moms we work with. We, we minister to about, I don't know, an average year, 250 moms call our hotline. They're pregnant. They could be six weeks pregnant, 40 weeks pregnant. We have the opportunity to minister to them and love on them. And, you know, in, in, in an average year, we're going to do about 30 to 40 adoptions domestically right here in North or South Carolina. I mean, the babies are born and placed in a two-parent Christian home with our families that, we've, that we work with. And, you know, I think about these moms. Man, that's sacrifice. You know, when a mom realizes, a pregnant mom realizes, I cannot parent this child. I'm not in, I don't want to have an abortion, but I'm not in a position to parent this child. But I want a better life for this child that I can offer. And here we go. Wow. I mean, we call those ladies, you know, heroes, hero, you know, heroes in our book because of what they do there to give that child and thinking of their child. You know, when I think about sacrifice, there are a couple of things I think that I think about. I remember uh, my wife and I have been married 28 years. We have three children, two are in college, one just graduated. And I, I remember that first year of college, I mean, first year of marriage, all right? And it was actually my first year of sem at seminary. And I remember living up on campus, Southeastern, and and my wife was working full-time, and I was a student full-time, and I had a part-time job in a church. And just a lot of, you know, 
that first year of marriage can be a doozy. You know what I'm talking about? You're learning, you're one another, and that kind of thing. And so for me, I thought, I was thinking about sacrifice. And I'm going to you know, show love to my wife. And here's, my, here's what I came up with as a young 25-year-old, 23-year-old, excuse me, 23-year-old, was if I wash the dishes once a week, boom, that's sacrifice. You know what I'm saying? That's a big one. Boy, it didn't take long to learn. That's a good thing to do, all right, probably more often than that, but that really wasn't sacrifice, you know? And I think a lot of times we in our own minds think, well, if I do this, that's sacrifice. And so the Lord's kind of given me a little litmus test as I've matured over the years a little bit to understand if I'm truly sacrificing because what does the Lord tell us about sacrifice? Especially in the New Testament, what does He say? Jesus asks us to be what? A living sacrifice, right? So that means we need to be sacrificial in all that we do, flowing through us, out. And so there are two kind of questions that I think about as, I, am I, am I, as the Lord is kind of, as I work through life and think about situations, am I truly living a life of sacrifice? One is this, as I think about sacrifice, I'm usually putting someone else before me. The needs of someone else or something else before my own needs. And then two, when I'm truly sacrificing, there's, a, there's an element of pain to it. All right? There's an element of pain to it. So you think about, you know, in your own life, you think, am I living a life of sacrifice? Well, think about that. Because as we look at this scripture, what is the Bible, what we can see here, that, man, was, were Moses' parents putting their child's needs ahead of theirs? Absolutely. Check. Was there pain involved in that? Absolutely. Forward into the Gospels, when Jesus hung on that cross, was he putting the needs of others ahead of himself? Absolutely. He was thinking about you and me. Was there pain involved? Excruciating pain, right? So, so those are great examples for us to think about because God wants us to have that spirit of sacrifice in our lives as, as he calls us to be a living sacrifice, the power of sacrifice. We see that here in, in Moses' parents. And as we think about the power of adoption, we see the power of sacrifice in verses 1 through 3 with Moses' parents there. But let's look at verses 4 and 5. And we think about this theme too, the power of God. So we see the power of sacrifice. Let's talk about the power of God for a second. Verses 4 and 5 tell us, His sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe the river. Her maids walked along the riverside. She saw the ark among the reeds. She sent her maid to get it. The power of God. Let me explain that for a second. I believe God guided that ark right where it needed to be, the exact right time, the exact right place for the, for the encounter with the princess. God saw everything, right? God's, what's cool about this is we, many of us have, have read this story. We know Moses' story. We know, you know his life, 120 years, and, and, and how God's going to use this man really to be one of the greatest prophets to ever live. But you, and, and, and a lot of us have seen the Easter story, Charlton Heston, you know, the movie. We've seen all that, right? We, we know. But you've got to remember, in, in, in real time, no one knew any of that, right? Moses' parents had no clue what God would do with this child. And, and certainly the Egyptian princess and all those folks that are involved had no clue what was going to happen. But we see here that God guided that ark right where it needed to be at the exact right time, the power of God, right? And so I don't believe in chance. I don't believe in luck today. I believe in the providence of God, that God allows things to happen. God knows they're going to happen. And we have choices, free will involved in that. But, but the providence of God, nothing happens by accident. So we see here, God guided that ark right where it needed to be, the exact right time, the power of God. You know, a lot of times today I think 
in our study of the Word of God, we look back at the Old Testament and we see the miracles of the Old Testament. Then we flip over to the New Testament and we see the miracles of Jesus and just the power of God at, at work, right? You know, in our minds, we're thinking about the top ten miracles, you know, and, and, and certainly I think about, you know, I've, I've been to Israel uh, personally and, and visited the Holy Land and seen it. Man, that was just something to see, especially, you know, riding a boat across the Sea of Galilee and thinking about Jesus and Peter walking on water. I mean, all those, those miracles... But I believe today, you know, the Bible tells us that God doesn't change. The, the, the theological word is immutable. He doesn't change. God's the same yesterday. He's the same today. And He's the same tomorrow. He doesn't change. And I think a lot of times we, we relegate and we look back and say, well, God worked then, but He don't work in this crazy world, in this modern 21st century culture that we're in. I would disagree with you. I think the power of God is at work. We may be blinded to it and not see it. It doesn't get headlines on the news and those kind of things. But God is at work. And, and certainly, we're a living example of that. If you're, if you're saved today, I mean, the power of God for you to be saved is a miracle. I mean, it really is because God reached down and we responded to Him. But He reached down to us and said, I love you. I want, I want to, to save you and bring you into right relationship with me. He adopts us. I mean, really, as you think about that, God's our Father, we're His children. He adopts us into His kingdom. Pretty amazing thing. So God's power is at work, but God guided that ark right where it needed to be at the exact right time, the power of God. So we see, as we think about the power of adoption, we see the power of sacrifice from, from Moses' parents. We see the power of God at work and, and protection of that child and guiding that ark right where it needed to be. And then thirdly, we see the power of care and compassion. The power of care and compassion. Look at verses 6 through 10. The Bible says, When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him. Now, this is significant. Don't miss this. Now, I don't want to read too much into this, but I think it's interesting to look at this one little, one little verse here that says something here. I don't know if God makes babies cry at the exact right time. All right? Stick with me. But this baby boy cried at the exact right time because what does the Bible say? The baby wept, and what happened next? It says, so she had compassion on him. Now, this is significant. This is significant. Because if you go back into to ancient Egyptian culture, the, the, the Egyptians did not worship the one true God. They worshiped many false gods, right? And yet, even though her worship was false worship, as we know the culture of that day for the Egyptians was, it still showed that she cared for a, for a child in a very vulnerable situation, right? Now, what does that say about you and me today? It's convicting, all right? Because what does that say about us today who, who, who many of us have the, the Word of God in our hearts? We know we're going to heaven. We, we were saved. Uh, we know when we breathe our last, we will be in the presence of God. What does that say about us who have absolute truth, right? And we understand God's love. What does that say about our responsibility and what we're to do? in these situations and step up and care for vulnerable children. The care and compassion is pretty amazing there. The power of care and compassion. I think a lot of us in our lives, you know, we want grace. How many of y'all, you know, we look up and say, man, I want grace, right? I mess up. Anybody mess up? We mess up, right? And we want God's grace in our lives. And we want God to care for us. And we want His compassion in our lives. And I think a lot of times, though, we hold on to that grace. We hold on to that compassion. And we don't let it flow through to other people. Like we should. I'll give you a good example of this. As I mentioned, I've got three children. Two are in college. And the youngest was driving back from UNC Wilmington. That's where he's in school. He's a junior now. 
but this was his freshman year, and he was driving back on 74, coming all the way across, you know, state, heading back towards Charlotte area. And if you've ever gotten this phone call, you, you know you're going to feel the pain with me here in just a second. The phone call came in and said, Dad, I got some bad news. Y'all know where I'm going to go with this, right? And it says, I got pulled over. All right? So I was like, all right. How many, uh, guess what my first question was, all right? I'm not sure what your first question would be, but my first question that moment was, how fast? All right? And his answer was 71 and a 55. And I'm going to tell you, all the care and compassion went right out of my life in that moment right there as I came down on him pretty hard. I mean, you don't accidentally drive 71 and 55 on that highway. And so I remember having some words with him. You know, you know how it goes, like, you're going to pay for that. It's not going on my insurance, you know. I mean, none of the other kids to that point had gotten a ticket. He's the youngest. And, and so I was like, man, you know. So when he got home, we sat down and talked to his mom about it. Now, how many of you, this is a term that I've kind of phrased myself, but I remember laying there that night, getting ready to go to bed, kind of, kind of winding down and getting ready to pray and kind of, you know, just wind it down from the day. And the Lord reminded me of something. And, and here's what happens. A lot of us, we have spiritual amnesia. Do you know what I'm talking about? That's the phrase I'm talking about. Let me, let me explain spiritual amnesia for a second. It's when you've forgotten all the crazy stuff you did when you were younger and got, you know, got caught doing some stuff, but yet, you know, and you think, well, I, didn't, I don't remember any of that. Well, the Lord reminded me in that still, quiet moment that I had gotten pulled around the same age and gotten a ticket about the same speed, Right? But I'd forgotten all about that, man. I just came hard out of the gate, you know. No care, no compassion. Lord convicted me of that. I'm like, wow, you're right. And so the next day I had to, you know, apologize and, and say, Ben, I'm sorry, you know, I made a mistake. Don't do it again, right? But I made a mistake and, and I'm going to pay half your ticket, right? You know, I felt that compassion and grace come through. I still felt like he needed to have some consequences to that. And uh, we did that. And so as I think about care and compassion, the power of care and compassion, we need to let it flow through us to other people. We want grace. We want care and compassion. We need to care for other people. And we see the great example here of the Egyptian princess who did not know the one true God, but yet in a moment uh, where she got caught up in a moment of caring for a child that was in a very difficult situation. That's a great example for all of us who have truth in our lives. Now, we skip to the end in verse 10, and we see the culmination of this story. Of It says, The child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. That's significant. First, first adoption recorded in human history. First adoption recorded in human history. What a great example for all of us as we think about the opportunity God gives us to make a difference in children's lives. Raising money for this, this, this wonderful home being built in Shelby is, gonna, is taking care, helping take care of children who are in great need, right? Supporting CAS and how we care for moms and, and all, all the, the craziness we deal with on, on the fronts of these moms who are in very difficult situations, but the love on them. We've seen, by the way, we, we really care for moms. I don't know of another agency that does it like Christian Adoption Services, but we've had eight give their life to Christ this year. And so that's a big deal because we're not the agencies, hey, call us if you get pregnant again, right? No, we're carrying on going for these moms and we want to see them come to know Jesus and to, to be in heaven one day. And so, again, we see a wonderful example here of the power of care and compassion and how we can be involved in that. The results of this are pretty cool, by the way. 
as we fast forward in the story, and we know, most of us know what happens to this baby boy, right? This baby boy is going to grow up, become a man, and guess what? He's going to hold the Ten Commandments of God. This baby boy is going to grow up, become a man, and lead his people out of Egypt, crossing that Red Sea and seeing the Egyptian soldiers destroyed. This baby boy is going to grow up, become a man, and and, and pray and God, pray manna out of heaven to take care of his people. This baby boy is going to grow up, become a man, and lead his people. He wasn't perfect, but lead his people to the edge of the promised land. One of the greatest prophets ever to live that God used, the redemptive plan of God. You know, as I think about the, op- the privilege I have, it's so rewarding to, to be in the seat I am at, at Christian Adoption Services and Baptist Children's Homes to it's so rewarding to see it all come together. It's hard work. Social work is so dysfunctional. The, 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 the evil one is at work in a crazy highway of spiritual warfare that more so than I ever saw as a pastor in 22 years in church ministry. The evil one hates what we stand for. He hates these moms coming into Christ. He hates these children. He wants them to stay in dysfunctional situations and not be in a two-parent Christian home of loving, loving father and loving mother to hear the Word of God and to be baptized one day and to be in heaven. So we're up against it. So the biggest need we have is prayer. Knowing First Baptist Church, China Grove, and saying, we, we, we support what God's doing through this ministry. We pray for you. It means the world to us. That's the win. But I want to give you a glimpse behind the scenes of a situation that you can kind of take away as you... Think about this ministry and God lays it on your hearts in the, in the, in the days to come. We had, a, we had a pretty interesting situation happen just a few weeks ago um, this summer. We got, a, we got a call from a hospital of, of, a, of a very unique situation. Let me tell you the backstory on it real quick and then, then we'll close. Um, but, so we had a 17-year-old in high school found herself pregnant. Her boy, she told her boyfriend, um, her boyfriend says, have an abortion. If you don't have an abortion, I'm going to break up with you. And they're both 17. She chose not to have an abortion. He broke up with her, right? And so fast forward the story. She's now 28 weeks pregnant. And for whatever reason, she decides, you know, she'd hidden the pregnancy. No one knew about it. Still in high school, hidden the pregnancy. And so she decides to take an abortion pill. Now, in North Carolina, it's illegal to take an abortion pill to get, you know, for someone to give you one after 20 weeks. Um, but somehow she got a hold of an abortion pill. So she's at home, she takes this abortion pill. Well, you can guess what happened. It put her into labor. She calls her mom up. Mom, I need some help. Mom comes over. The baby's born in the house. 28 weeks. 28 weeks. Call 911, ambulance comes. They rush, you know, everybody to the hospital. And the baby's put into NICU immediately, you know, being a preemie at 28 weeks. And so... Once the dust kind of settles in that situation, the hospital calls us and said the mom chooses adoption. She can't, she doesn't want a parent, but chooses adoption. Do y'all have a family? Of course, we call a family, and a family rushes up there at 20 weeks. And we knew this is a very difficult situation, right? The child may not live, but a family said, I will adopt that child no matter what, right? Well, this child lives, we will be this child's parents. So the hospital provides a place for them to stay in the hospital. And I'm happy to say at 38 weeks, so 10 weeks later, this was last week, they came home from the hospital and the baby girl is doing wonderful. It's a, it's a privilege, yeah. Absolutely, amen, amen. And so I just want you to know as you pray and give and support and, and be a part of what God is doing, we are part of, all a part of that story of that child. 
And I pray God's continued blessings upon this little girl. I wish I could show you a picture, but I can't because I haven't finalized yet. There's a lot of legal mess that goes along with that. But I have a picture on my phone. I, if you twist my arm, I might show it to you. <laughs> but, but I can't show it publicly, all right? And, uh, man, she's a precious little girl, right, that, that God took care of in a, in a very unique situation. And my prayer is two, two things to pray for. One is that we will have the opportunity in the years to come to minister to the, to the birth mom, all right? And that maybe she'll hopefully come to know Christ. And two, that this child, as this child is raised in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, of these wonderful parents, that, that this little girl will come to know Jesus Christ. And she will be in heaven one day. That's the heart of our ministry. That's what we do. That's why I'm out on the road preaching, sharing about what God's doing through adoption. It's, it, is, it is a privilege to be a part of it. And these are the stories that we know, Right? That we've poured, you know, as we minister to these 200-some moms a year, not all of them choose adoption, but we plant the seed of the gospel. Who knows when all this is said and done, we get to heaven. I believe we're going to see more of those moms that we did not know accepted Christ when we were ministering to them, but somebody came behind us, right, because we planted the seed and they accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's the power of adoption. The power of adoption. So let's bow our heads as we pray, and Pastor Trent will come, and we'll, we'll sing a time of invitation. But we want to give you an opportunity to respond today. And so if the Lord is working in your heart, I want, to, I want you to be obedient to Him. But let's bow our heads as we pray. Father, we thank You for today. I thank You for the privilege that we have to worship You. I thank You for this incredible story in the book of Exodus about a child in need. Father, that You took care of all those steps, Lord, to protect that child. And Father, that child became a man who used in an amazing way to impact the kingdom of God. Lord, I pray for this wonderful ministry working with Baptist Children's Homes of North Carolina that, Father, you'll continue to use us as we stand in the gap in a very difficult culture that's fighting against us. Lord, that we'll continue to, to see fruit from, from many, many folks that come to know you as Lord and Savior. And these children will continue to be placed in two-parent Christian homes. Lord, I pray for all of our children on our international side as well. Lord, the need is great. And I pray for all those children that are in orphanage right now, that someone will step up, the Lord, you'll lay, you will lay on their heart, step up and say, I will be that child's mom or dad. The foster system, Lord, and all this happening in DSS, a lot of crazy stuff, Lord. But I thank you for those, for, like examples here in this church, of step up and say, I will be a guardian at Lightham. I will care. I will step up and show God's love. I thank you. Thank you in advance for what you're going to do. Father, there may be folks here that God may be calling, you may be calling to adopt. And Lord, may we be open to that situation. But for many of us, we're not called to adopt. But because you adopted us, James 1.27 is clear of our action step. That Father, that we're to care for those who can't care for themselves. Speaking about widows and, and, and orphans. Lord, I pray that, that we will be prayer warriors. And that we will make a difference. There are 165 million orphans worldwide. The church is the answer, Lord. And Father, if there's someone listening today that realizes today that they, they're not, they've not been adopted, they don't have a spiritual father, they realize that if they don't accept you as Lord and Savior, they would not be with you. I pray that you'll just touch their hearts right now and, and show your love to them. They realize that they, can, they too can be in the kingdom, your kingdom in heaven, and accepting you as, as, as their father. So Lord, in all these situations, we give them to you. Thank you in advance for how you're going to work, Lord. And we give you all praise, honor, and glory. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.